Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money, I'm Glenn James. Today we've got a bit of a special fun episode, Addicted to Porn. Now it's not what you think (laughs) and what we've got is Tyson May, he's a porn broker uh, from Long Jetty Porn Brokers, so welcome Tyson. Thanks, thanks for having me. No problem. And also we've got the wonderful Jess Knaus joining us today who is the producer of all the podcasts that we do here at My Millennial Money. So, thanks for dropping in, Jess. Thanks for having me. And I just wanted to kind of just tell everyone that we can't do like this podcast, everything that we do without Jess. So, all the Aww, guests that oh, come on, that's nice. That's nice. she organizes all the guests, she oh. just runs my world and I just click accept in my diary and if, <laughs> if she's invited me, it's good. It's, yeah. So, keep her on side. You want, to, you want to keep her on side. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So, thank you, Jess, for everything you do for the show and all the shows. And it's funny because Jess was a listener of My Millennial Money. It was. And I think we you did some voiceover thing that we needed at some point. Yeah, way back last year. Yeah, and then you came to the Newcastle live event. I did. And then when we put the call out that I needed some help... Put my hand up. You put your hand up. We had a oh, chat. Oh, good chat. And it was a, a match made in pod heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> but thank you to our show partner, Sun Super. Sun Super have got this Dreams for a Better World Community Grants Program. And basically, they partner with grassroots charities, all that stuff on the ground every day helping improve the life of thousands of Aussies. Dreams for a Better World supported 13 local charities with over $150,000 in grants just in the last 12 months alone, which allowed many grassroots causes to continue the value that they provide to local community, uh, particularly coming out of uh, the bushfires at the start of the year, Mm. COVID, all that stuff. So if you want to know more about what SunSuper are doing for the community, because Anyone can go to a super fund, but if you want a super fund that is for members only and has impact for the broader Australia, you can check out sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3 or dreamsforabetterworld.com.au. So, thank you to Sunsuper. Now, are you guys ready to have a chat about porn? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not that porn, Jess. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sidetracked. Yeah. Spelled differently. So. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, let's do it. So I've got some questions for you, Tyson, yep. and how we're going to frame this interview, I'm going to ask some questions that most people, the stuff that we all think about, yep. then we're going to ask for some crazy examples, then we might get you to show us some cool stuff that yep. you've got that you've brought in, Yep. 
then I've got a couple of objects that I want you to value for me. <laughs> see if I can pawn oh, them. No. And Sounds Jess dangerous. has then got some questions from the community as well. Mm. Yeah. So sure. I guess the purpose of having you on is just it's almost a staple of parts of the community a pawn shop. That's correct. Yeah. And you'll have your regular customers for whatever reason. That's correct. Yep. And unless you really know how it works, it's just it's a second-hand shop. That's basically what people see. That's as. right. People think that when they see a, a pawn break. So I guess, you know, why why didn't Gumtree, Marketplace and eBay kill the porn industry? The main reason that the Gumtree and eBay and uh, oh, probably more uh, Marketplace, it, it, the biggest factor that they had was that they the prices were too dear. So what happens is look, you'll see a lot of people on there, the actual price on Gumtree and eBay is higher than a pawnbroker's. And wow. people don't realise that until they're on there for a while. There's there's one, there's one. The other thing is interaction. People don't want to interact with people on Gumtree or Marketplace. They don't want to come out to your house. They don't want to looking at your property. They don't want to negotiate with them face-to-face. They don't want to talk to them. You don't know who the person is. You don't know what they're going to say or do, and that's why. So what they do is they come down to see you, and they go, I can, I can deal with one person. I know I'm going to get the price that I want. I'm going to get the cash now and I don't have to go through the rigmarole of it all. So you have those people on Gumtree and on eBay and on Marketplace that aren't real nice people themselves and that's where the idea comes from. They think, oh, I'll go out to Gumtree, I'll go out to eBay, um, I'll, I'll bid on those sort of sites and uh, they actually panic. So they say, oh, I'll just rather go down to the local pawnbrokers and that's why it hasn't wiped them out. Yeah. You know? And then the prices are totally different too. If you you if you if take like a mate and guitar, like a 325, you'll actually get it cheaper in a pawnbroker than you'll get it online because wow. people want too much too much money for them. Wow. Yeah. wow. So they're, they look at the market value and it's way too dear. So, and you'll see them on there for a long time. So, a lot of those ads you'll see, like we were talking earlier about your singer sewing machine, yeah. uh, that particular ad might be on there for two or three or four months and they, they just don't want to budge and people won't budge. So, it's a bit of an ego thing. Yeah. yeah. So. And I guess, yeah. like a lot of like the guitar or a family mm. quote unquote heirloom, yeah. you want that premium dollar for That's it. That's right. But yeah. people aren't paying you that premium dollar. That's correct. Because it's not worth it to them. That's right. And you can't touch it. You know, so a lot of people that are. If you've got it in the shop, you can come down, you can look around, you can grab it, touch it, feel it, and you know. But on Gumtree and eBay, you can't. So if you're buying something in South Australia, you can't. And you think, oh, is it a really good deal? You yeah. don't know. And yeah. jewellery is one of the biggest ones. And you don't want to pay for shipping to get something delivered to your door and that's you need to find out nothing like what the fixture was. That's exactly what happens. So we so, And diamonds are one of the worst. So you've got diamonds and gold. Is it gold? Is it a diamond? Is it silver? Is it is it what they say it is? And it's on the other side of the end of the country. You can't see it, so they panic. So straight away, you might get a guitar, it's got a bent neck. So a lot of those factors come into it. So people look at them and go, oh, wait a second. It mightn't be what I think it is. And that's why Gumtree and eBay and those guys haven't wiped you out. Yeah, right. Question on the, um, I guess, electronic stuff. Yep. Do you have a statutory warranty? For electronics. Yeah, yeah. So basically all warranty in the shop used to be uh, back in the 80s and 90s and, and 2000, we used to give a, a standard three-month. Uh, now we just give a one-month. So we get a standard one-month warranty. Same problem with Gumtree and eBay, no warranty. Mm. So marketplace, no warranty. So you can buy and sort of, you know, you know if you're buying a camera, like are you buying an EOS, an EOS, one of the EOS series cameras and you come in, you think, okay, the shutter speed's sort of broken down or something's gone wrong with buttons or, you know, aperture on it, you can actually then say, oh, I can take it back. I've got a problem, you know, but you buy it off Gumtree, eBay, it's yours. Mm. Yeah. My uh, good friends, Beck and Jai, and actually Beck does the voiceover for the A21 yeah. and the charities at the end of the podcast, mm. you know, 
five, six, seven years ago when they were, you know, getting out of debt and they needed a new TV, yep. I said, go down to bloody Tyson yep. and I was at their house the other day and they still got the bloody TV. Same so TV, yeah. I, I would probably say as a financial kind of thing to do, like if you are looking to get some new stuff and you want to pay cheaper than brand new yep. and you don't want to have to risk getting an electronic that hasn't got that warranty... Yes. It's probably a win-win to go to a local pawnbroker. Oh, it always has been. You know, you, you got your, you got. Uh, look, a lot of people know about pawnbrokers, so your your regulars that they always come back, they always buy because they know what they're going to get, mm. and then you're a fixture as well, so they know who you are. Um, pawnbroking's been around for you know thousands of years back in the Roman days. They all. It hasn't changed. It's got the same. aged well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably it's, it is to some people very trusted. Mm. To other people, it's not. They think it's a seedy, you know, different sort of place of, that other people go. But it's not. And uh, yeah, so you're much better off buying from a pawnbroker for the security of it. Yeah. And once people get used to that, and they become and they see that you're just normal people running a normal business. They, they're quite happy to buy from you. And I guess mm. as well, you've also vetted the things that are coming in and, and going out your doors as well. Yeah, and that of someone course. could have stolen an item and be selling That's it correct. and you have no idea that you're buying when you're buying that online. That's correct. But they can come to you knowing that you've checked it out. That's you've right. You've done an assessment of it and, That's correct. and you've sort of placed a decent value on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we've stated, you know, we'll talk about it with the stolen good factor. I don't know mm. if you want to talk well, about yeah, that. Well, yeah, let's now. let's go there. Because a lot of people yeah. think, oh, I've been broken into. Yep. Uh, they've stolen my laptop. I'm going to go down the local pawn shop. It'll probably be there. Yes. Like, as, so as Jess said, like, there's that trust that I know this stuff isn't stolen. Yes. Mm. Yeah. But how does it work with um, that perception that everything in a pawn shop's just being stolen and hocked? Oh yeah, that's well, it's an easy one. See, back in the days, I used to, I used to be up, like, I used to be, they used to come in and pick up a hard copy of. The items. Who's Poli- that, the police? They're police, yep. police and fair trading. Fair trading were a lot harder than the police. So you had two agency, government agencies that would hit you hard. So fair trading would even pick on basic things like uh, the font in your licensing on the window. They'd hit you $500 fines. Um, if you didn't, uh, if you put anything out on display within two weeks, uh, it's a holding period for two weeks. So everything has to get checked. So anything comes into a pawnbroker, whether it's pawned or sold, has to be checked. Then it has to a hard copy had to go to the police. And then of course today we upload, so everything gets uploaded. All your ID, you cannot pawn, sell. You can't do one thing in a pawnbroker without a hundred point ID, passports, licenses, etc. And what happens is those people then realise that they, if you put it in and it comes up, then they'll be charged, and they do get charged. So it, when you make a comment, like just say you have a problem with something getting stolen out of your house, you usually go down to the police that makes an event number. That event number. They'll have a serial number, so that TV. That TV then gets put in the system. Now, if I write that serial number down wrong, then I'm charged and then I get fined and then I've got a point system on my licence that you lose. Now, if it goes on, on your e- porn license. On my porn licence, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, so it's just like a you have a licence and once you breach it... So it's and, highly regulated. It's highly it's regulated. Really it's, legit. it's actually one of the most regulated businesses in Australia wow. and that's what people don't realise. So if you... If you and as I've said to a lot of people, if someone comes to your house and they get past your dog, they get past your security system, mm-hmm. they steal all the gear out of the back of your, your, your car, your truck or in your house, they're not going to walk it down with a 100-point ID down to the local porn brokers <laughs> and sell it because, yes, they do get caught. They will get yeah. caught unless they're desperate. And then that does happen and, and things do come up stolen. Now, usually in those stolen items, 
uh, probably around 70% family oriented or, you know, friends. You owe me rent. Oh, they never paid me for this. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm owed money because they, they lent money off me and they haven't paid me back. So those things get caught up in the stolen area of things. Uh, but most of it, you can – the old days used to be they go to the pub and sell it. Now you can just um, – you can put it on Gumtree, eBay, Marketplace, not licensed. Mm. Nothing goes uploaded to the police. Nothing goes through the books and you can post the item out. So, so those wow. platforms yes. are almost an unregulated pawnbroker. They are an unregulated pawnbroker. That's exactly what they are. Wow. So okay. you, used to have to, you used to have to have, if, especially gold – you know, gold's a, a, a commodity in Australia that has to be heavily regulated, and it is. If I do something wrong in the books, it's thousands of dollars worth of fines. So for what you could make on a stolen item, you'll, you'll lose tenfold. Not worth it. Not worth it. Mm. So everyone assumes that. Yeah. But it's not. It's, it's You are going to lose your licence. You're going to lose your livelihood. And you can, it's so much easier running a clean business. So back in the day when they used to stop – when they, the, the regulations came in, it eliminated all your – there were bad pawnbrokers, but there were also bad people in ev- every industry. Mm. You know, those bad police. Well, you can't, so, regu- like, yeah. <laughs> you can't regulate fraud. No, mm. no, that's right. It's yeah. one of those things. Yeah. So it's really hard. So they, and they were heavy. Like they were, you know, you had police squads that did pawnbroking units. You had, um, you had uh, fair trading that were, had, that were pawnbroking units. So they'd actually come down, they'd close the front doors of your shop and they'd go from the front to the back. So in any of that industry, they could close you in a heartbeat. Yeah. Would you say like, because you mentioned back a while ago when fair trading were like doing all these site visits with the police at different times. Do you think at some point, you know, there was a a bias that wasn't in a good light with pawnbrokers with fair trading if they were nitpicking fonts and little... No, that was the law. So they had a job to do. Right. So so fair trading had had a job to do. And their job was to um, basically make sure it's a clean industry. So they were pretty good. Like they weren't. They give you a heavy warning. Uh, you knew if you didn't if you didn't change that warning, you, they were going to come in next time. They'll close you. Mm. So pawnbrokers around us got closed. You know, mm. the entrance pawn shop at one stage got closed because the guy was new and he was doing a lot of bodgy things. Uh, you know, Edelong, there's a couple of ones out there that got closed in the day. One gentleman I knew got you know roughly forty to sixty thousand dollars worth of fines, wow. and um, back then, so it was it was a, it was actually good for us. And so, your business yeah. has been around for thirty five, yeah, 30, 36, 36 years. years, yeah, yeah. So the, we were the we my father bought the business of uh, Paul Taylor, who who ended up with become a competition against us at Gosford, but um, he originally bought that, um, and then once it took over from there. He got out of – he was a jip rocker and got out of that and he, he was in that for years. And by that time I was only young and I used to help him on weekends and my brother was uh, went into the in- industry with him back then. So it was mm-hmm. sort of become a family business and then uh, we took it from there. But things were different back then. Laws were different back then. Mm. You had to you couldn't keep the gear. You had to send it to Sydney in the auctions. So um, all any any gear that ran out, so if people pawned and they never came back for their goods, you weren't allowed to sell it in the shop. You had to send it to Sydney and you go to pawnbroking auctions. So people would turn up from the public, they'd buy at the auctions, other pawnbrokers would turn up, buy gear from other pawnbrokers and that's, that was the gear that was in your shop that you sold. Mm. Yeah, you weren't allowed to sell your own gear. Yeah, mm. wow. Yeah. And there's reasons behind that too. Uh, important question. How do you like the coffee? Yeah, there? coffee's good. Yeah. Actually, I did. I've got to make it. That is really good coffee. Yeah, well, hey. yeah, you've done a good job there, actually. Coffee yeah. roasters. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we supply our guests with a, uh, a filter coffee yeah, from, yeah. <laughs> from Glee Coffee Roasters. Oh, Glee. They're good. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and I, well, Ben's you know Ben. Yeah, 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 you know ben. yeah, Ben's a muser. He yeah. lives in Tyson. Yeah, he comes <laughs> to the shop. Yeah, he comes in, buys guitar Browsing. pedals and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Glee coffee. Yeah. So, so you you mentioned before, you know, people will pawn their goods. So yeah. for me, as the the punter, yep, I just see the pawn shop as it's a secondhand shop, and I go in and I buy stuff that's secondhand for cheap. Yep, made a profit on it. That's all good. Yep. Um, but there's the other side of the porn broking world. Yes. And there's big signs like money lent and cash loans. That's correct. Now, yeah. and I was writing this question here. <laughs> are you a payday lender? No, no, I'm not a payday lender. Because yeah. you're not welcome here. <laughs> <If> you <are. laughs> yeah. No, no, look. Because look, I think you're the scum no. of the world. No, 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 definitely not a payday lender. I've been offered that many a times. Right. So I've been offered it probably, you know, 50 times over the years. Uh, always knocked it back. Don't believe in it myself. Sure. So I've always had uh, – like even though we've been in the industry a long time and it is another avenue to make money, um, don't believe in it, don't like it. Mm. Actually, I, I personally hate it. Yeah. Um, if you're going to lose something, if you've, got, if, you're, if you've got problems in life and things are going to happen and you go ahead and you've got your, um, your PlayStation 4, the worst thing in your life that's going to happen is you're going to lose your PlayStation 4. Payday lenders... They garnish your wages. Mm. Totally inappropriate. Yeah. Don't look. I can't stand it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I really, I've, got, I've always had a personal issue with it, mm. um, especially with things like, uh, well, cash converters were, we were around a lot longer before them. And they came in and the industry, you know, you go into an industry where they franchise the business, they got a lot of people in. Those particular people don't understand pawnbreaking. So they're selling your business. In that business, when you're doing, um, if someone walks in with a Rolex watch, they don't know what they're buying. Mm. So all of a sudden, a lot of the, uh, they were going broke, actually. They actually went broke in New South Wales. And then um, Queensland stayed afloat. And then a lot of the personal um, franchisees took their own business. So they actually took over. But they were real pawnbrokers that went into the franchise industry. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I was going to ask for about, you know, with eBay and Marketplace, mm. I was like, these big franchises, yes. was it the demise of cash converters because of the online stuff? But it sounds like nah. systemically didn't understand the business and how to run it profitably and well. Well, that's correct. You can't throw you can't throw a mechanic and say, hey, I've never fixed a car my whole life. Hey, there's a mechanic. Go ahead and fix the car. You go, well, I don't know what I'm doing. They were very similar and yeah. they were sold as a – uh, what people don't understand is it's not just a buy and sell environment. It's not just about buying and selling items. Pawnbreaking is about lending people money and anticipating what something's going to be worth in three to six months' time. Mm. So if you bought a, you know, if someone came in with a five thousand dollars Sony television, in and they say I want two thousand dollars, you go, well, I can't lend you two thousand because in three to six months' time, Sony will do a discount on them. They might do them for one nine, you know, one thousand nine hundred ninety nine. All of a sudden, you've lent two thousand and you just lost a thousand. So it's mm. like that. So it's yeah. a bit of forecasting as well. Yes, oh, total, total forecasting. Doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter um, gold, diamonds. Uh, well, they're they're a commodity that lasts a bit longer. But anything electrical, yeah, you got some big problems. So yeah, so in its purest form, yes. you mentioned, and we'll use the five thousand dollars Sony TV. Hmm. Uh, people may be short on cash yep. for a short period of time, yep. and say, "I need some fast cash. Yep. I'm going to take my Sony TV." And take it to the pawnbroker. So, yeah. what's a practical example of how that would work for somebody? Well, so, the normal person, if they want to go down to the bank and they want to borrow five hundred dollars, the bank won't lend you five hundred dollars. So, they they don't want to know you. Basically, it's too long. It's too much paperwork. So, they need it instantly, and I need cash today. So, what they do is they'll bring their TV in and just say uh, on a thousand dollar loan on a TV, uh, it, it's it's high interest rate. So, it's twenty five percent per month. 
or only part of a month. So it's high rate. People then, but then as a, I know it's it is very steep. It hasn't changed. It's been the same for fifty years. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, is that um, you can you're getting it today, and then we pay, of course, high tax. Yeah. So if you you know the tax rate jumps right up, so all of a sudden you you know you could probably do it for around fifteen. But once they break a th- five hundred dollars, so it's twenty five percent up to five hundred. We do it differently. A lot of them are just standard, and then once it hits over five hundred, we drop to twenty. As it hits over a thousand, we drop to eighteen. As it gets to two thousand. You know, up to five thousand drops to fifteen. The higher you go, the, the interest rate drops. Yeah, so because otherwise it becomes not viable. It's yeah. basically so people. Uh, I'm just trying to illustrate this in a different way. So if someone buys a car with a car loan, yes, uh, and they don't pay the bank back. Yes, the bank has a lien over the car. That's right. And then they can sell the car. To get, so it's a. It's basically. A short-term personal loan, if you will, exactly with what some is. collateral, which is a TV or yep. X, Y, Z. Yeah, so the bank right. won't lend you. So in one way, like the bank's lending your money to a degree without collateral. Like it's, it's the same as, you know, your house loan. It's yep. just in a very smaller version. So if you don't pay your, your you know, your back to the bank, mm-hmm. you're not paying your mortgage, the bank will take your house and sell it. We'll do the same thing. We'll, it, you've got three months to get it back. If you can't get it back in three months... Then you can come see us. We're not, you know, that's the other mystery of people. Don't, they think, oh, yeah, they just sell it straight away. Oh, you don't. I've had stuff in the shop for six months, a year, two years. Um, but yeah, people can pay per month and just leave it there if they want to do that. So I just want to dig a bit deeper on yeah. this because if the lights are off and yep. there's two people and there's a payday lender and there's you, Tice. Yep. The lights off, you kind of feel a bit the same. Yeah. But I guess the <laughs> bad analogy. But I guess yep. the difference yep. with the payday lender, yes. they will lend money without collateral. That's correct. And then they'll own your soul until the money's paid back. That's correct. Where you're limited by only the collateral that they leave. That's correct. So as I said earlier, if if a payday lender, if you're in trouble. Every week that something happens, they're taking, you're garnishing your wages. Whether you're on the pension, dull, even if you're, you know, you're, you've got a really good job, they're garnishing that wage all the time. Mm. Pawnbroker, they don't. You've got your, your ring in, you've got your, you know, your PlayStation, you've got your TV. It's the security. So it's on. the security on that actual item. You know, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you lose your PlayStation. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. You know, garnishing your wages, different ball game. Mm. You know, people get really desperate, mm. and um, that's what I don't like. I hate that part of it. And, 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 Westpac Bank came in and refunded uh, at that stage um, cash converters, and they floated them. It was like two to three hundred million dollars wow. to do payday loans. So that's what that was a that that was in the news. It was a big sore point. Mm. There was a lot of people on a current affair, you know, that sort of thing that was happening to the garnished wages situation. It was never never sat well. Most pawnbrokers, it doesn't sit well with. I mean, easy yeah. credit for society's most vulnerable is doubling down on their misfortune. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So in terms of the business model, if I came in and wanted to pawn my $5,000 TV yep. and say, hey, Tice, I need a loan yep. for three weeks, you would go, okay, it's a five grand TV. I'll give you $1,500. If you, if I never see you again, yep. I sell the TV for three grand and I make the profit back yep. or you come back in a month time, pay a little bit of interest, yep. return the money, you get your TV back. That's correct. Yeah. If you've got... A hundred people pawning a hundred stuff. Yep. Like, do you cash flow all those loans internally, or is there a bank that sits behind you? No, we cash flow them internally. Right. Um, all, all loans are cash 
flow wow. internally. Yeah. Wow. So um, if someone comes in and they want, that's what you'll see limits on it. Um, so you'll see some pawnbrokers go, oh, their limit might be five thousand. Yep. You know, and some say, oh, I'll lend you a hundred thousand. Yeah. It's actually yeah, they're using their own money. Nothing's stunned by the bank. So so your own, it's your own, out yeah. of your own pocket. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean, why you take a lot more serious. So yeah. so and not, and when you said before with the TV, so you might have something worth ten thousand, and someone comes in and goes, how much will you lend me on it? And you say, well, how much do you need? And they say, oh, what's the maximum? You go, mm. well, and they might only need $500. So there's a lot of gear that you might be worth 10000 You only lend them 500 And because you say, only borrow what you need, and they might say to you, oh, well, what is the maximum? You go, well, 3000 They go, oh, I'll take 3000 You go, but you don't need 3000 You mm. need 500 yeah. So only take the 500 So you, you try to help. Yeah, even though you yeah know, but your biggest yeah. problem is you've got um, a moral compass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot do, a lot do, a lot of pawnbrokers yeah. do. Trust me, a lot of pawnbrokers that I've known, I've dealt with them. Yeah. A lot of them have, a lot of them have got a moral compass. Yeah. People will see the different side of it, but they don't. They, they they've been in the situation themselves, so they have got a moral yeah, compass. I understand. And you know, you do see people that are really desperate, and it's sad. And yeah. then some people, you you know, you can help, and some people you don't want to help. You know, you get the opposite to that. So you get the the people you don't sort of, you mm. know, they agitate you a bit. So you sort of have a different opinion of them. So, um, but in general, most people. Borrow what they need, um, you know, around 70% get the gear back. The others sort of get into trouble and, and certain things are worth getting back. So sentimental value, uh, gold, jewellery, you know, uh, any sort of rings and things, computers and laptop, you know, laptops and, and, and phones. It's got your personal information. So they, get, they tend to get that back. But if you, you know, PlayStations and that, they go, oh, oh couldn't be bothered. So yeah, go. back to our example, if I borrowed the $1,500 for the five grand TV or whatever it is, mm. And you never saw me again. Yes. At the end of the loan term, yep. you would have to hold that in your storeroom for X amount of time. Well, I hold the loan holds for three months, but yep. then you, you're not a you get a bad name for yourself if you sell it on three months in one day. Yes. So then we tend to give another month leeway. Yeah. Because people do get into trouble, they do forget. Even though there's systems where we can send them out and remind them. Uh, a lot of people just go, oh, look, I just can't afford to get it back. And then you have to sell it. Yeah. And I mean, we don't advocate borrowing any money, you know, unless you want to get a mortgage or something like that on yeah. this podcast. But I just thought it's just so interesting it to is. see yeah. this world. Yeah, it is It is. It is a different world. And there's different people that use pawnbrokers. So it's not all the people that people, you know, mm. there's a lot of people there that, that oh, I don't know, people, their understanding of the person that's putting it in, they think's on the lower end, but it's not. Mm. It's actually... You know, I'd say about eighty percent of our customers have got really well-paying jobs. Just can't manage their own personal Just cash flow. Just can't marry their own cash flow. That's all it yeah. is. And usually, you know, if you have to hit one, it's gambling. Yeah, it's yeah. the biggest one. Wow. Yeah. So gambling's wow. probably the biggest one. And then you sort of, um, and they've got that lifestyle. So I always refer it to like if you if you're um, earning twenty thousand a year, but you're spending forty. It's the same as someone that earns a million spending two million. No different. Well, the common denominator is the human nature. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep, and a lot of people say to me, you know, do you feel sorry for those particular people? And you and and you don't, you know. I, I might have become I might have become more hardened towards that over my life, mm. but I'd say that uh, most of them they love to live that life and they do live that life. And you know, I've had some interesting things that have happened, and mm. um, people have done people have, have have pawned items that you think, what are you doing? And they've what are you doing that for today? Mm. You know, I had a gentleman that came in that uh, pawned a brand new KTM, you know. 400 wow. motorbike and he bought it the two days beforehand for $15,000 cash mm. and then he's pawned it the next day to me and he was just going on a holiday to Fiji. So he said, I'm going on a holiday. I go, but you had $15,000 yesterday. Mm. I just need to borrow five to go on the holiday. Mm. 
So what are you doing that for? I just, you know, I had to have the bike. Gosh. So he didn't have to. So he didn't have to use a pawnbroker. He could have just not bought the bike and then got on his holiday. And he was waiting for his boat to sell and his boat fell through. So he goes, oh, I just need 5000 play money. So his whole life revolved around $5,000. And then he get, I said, no problem at all. There's $5,000 for you. Meanwhile, he's got all these toys worth yes. probably 50 grand. Yeah, oh, more, more. No yeah. cash flow. No cash flow. None at all. Well, it will catch up to him one day. It does, but mm. they don't. They just live a different life, mm. you know. Like if you can't afford it, you don't do it. But but with, with particular uh, people, they they spend every dollar they've got. Mm. There you go. Yeah. You see a lot of collectors coming through as well. Yeah, yeah. You see yeah. plenty of collectors. You got a lot of those people that you know they're yayo collectors. Yo-yo you know, collectors. Yeah, yayos. Wow. You know, they're game collectors. Yes, gaming consoles. Gaming consoles. Guitars. Guitars. Basically everything. There's a collector for every single thing you can think of. You know, and you're not an expert in all of it, so you know you can do a pretty good job. And they test you. You know, so yeah. I just love watching. Is it porn stars? Yeah, porn stars. And they always show the most dramatic ones, and it's like, oh, I've got these Harley. It's worth yeah. forty grand. I want to pawn it. I was hoping to get thirty five off you, and they're like, "What about nine? Yeah, yeah. What about nine. What about nine? How's nine sound? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you're going to start low. You're not going to start that's high. Right. Yeah, yeah. How much would you pay? I'm going low. I'm not going to start high. So, you end up in negotiations. Yeah, like yeah. That? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But, but the yeah. negotiation is probably more on if you're buying an item as yes. opposed to the loan of. Yeah, but as I said, you've got to anticipate what it's going to be worth. And Worst then, case and then, scenario. And then things like motorbikes, for example, mm. um, because you can't fully test it, it might have an engine problem. So mm. when you – and you'll see this on your porn stars and stuff like that. And then they it runs out and it needs a full engine rebuild. So you've just paid 10, there's another 15, so you know, then you go, mate, wait a second, I want to get 12 for this motorbike, I've just, lo- just lost 3,000, mm. you know. And a lot of employees that we've had over the time can't believe the money you do lose. They get shocked by it. Wow. They go, wow, well, I just thought, you know, that, mm. that you just made money on everything. Yeah, no, you don't. Mm. No, you lose lots, you know. Mm. Yeah. So can someone pawn their home car or boat? Is that uh, possible? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's 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 one of the uh, I'll give you an idea. Like one stage we had twenty five motorbikes in, around fifteen cars, and we had probably I think we had one house, one unit, sorry, at the entrance at one stage, you know. So yeah, one one time there was that, that amount of People pawning, yeah, you, you can. It's no different than a PlayStation, right. except you've got a bit, bit more checks. So mm. with your with your motorbikes, you can't have any credit on there. So a lot of people, you're not going to go borrow on a motorbike mm. twenty thousand dollars to buy it, and then all of a sudden you're pawning it. So they get rev checked. They make sure all credit checks are gone. So they have to own it outright. There's no pawning if there's if there's money owed, even with the house. Okay. So if you if you yeah, going, talk to us about yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so people own the house, or you know, or a lot of people have a, a parent die. Things like that, they inherit the house. Mm. Uh, they need money quickly to actually transfer, you know, funds, or they're in trouble. And at that stage, they own the house, so they can actually use you exactly like the bank, but mm. you're a lot faster. So they'll get the money tomorrow, not the banks. The whole six weeks from now, all the you know, you go through, um, you know, five hundred bits of paperwork. And so do you have to get like the title deeds? Yes, yeah, yeah. So the deeds stay at the. the the actual solicitors, uh, we use those. De- he uses those deeds, or she uses those deeds, and they just go, oh, you know, I want to borrow twenty thousand. They won't say I want to borrow two hundred thousand, but they'll say oh, I need to borrow twenty thousand tomorrow. You go, okay, go down to the solicitors. We'll do it through there, and you you, you get a. Uh, they do the the paperwork that holds the actual item, and yeah, so it works out the same. Wow. But yeah, the interest rate drops dramatically. Yeah, yeah. so okay. so if they're going to, you know, I mean, there's just. Yeah. N- there's very minimal risk with a bit of real property that they've borrowed twenty grand. That's on right. Yeah, worth yeah. three hundred. Yeah. yeah, 
So worst case scenario, if they never paid your 20 grand back, yes. there would be a court order that the property yeah. gets sold. That's correct. You recoup your 20 grand and interest. That's it. And yep. then they can do whatever. Just works the same way. No, no different. Same with the motorbike. No different. They come in. They've got to own the motorbike. They've got to have the registration papers. All it has to be in their name. Like you, a lot of people come in. They'll say, "Oh, it's in my friend's name. Oh, it's in my girlfriend's name." You go, "No, no, it has to be in your name." So there's a lot of. It's not as easy as. I shouldn't say it's as easy as the PlayStation, but it's pretty similar. But yeah, bikes, cars are the same. It's just registered in their name. Revs check. They own the car. It's in their name. I want to borrow five thousand, and I need it today. Where if you go to the bank, the bank go, well, I can't help you. Mm. So there are people that go, I need to do it now. I've got problems. And that, and that ranges. Those problems could range from a funeral where someone's died. Mm. You know, it's happened plenty of times where they go, I need to pay for the funeral. Here's my car. I'll come back and get it. And they've got money coming in. And then the same, and they might go all the way through to, um, I've, you know, I bet $5,000 on a horse and it lost. So I've got to pay, you know, my debts. So wow. it's like that as well. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you get every single you know, sort of way of life. But, yeah, it's very common for people to, to pawn motorbikes and cars. Like you've probably seen it all, quote, yeah. unquote. Yeah. Do you ever get the still the odd, wow, that's a new one? Oh, like, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I've had a crane in. A crane? Crane. Wow. I've had a crane in. I've had a semi-trailer. Wow. Uh, I've had a bus. I've, I've told you earlier, I've had a skeleton. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Lice, licensed skeleton. Yeah, yeah. So you had a human, human licensed skeleton. Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, the guy came in and pawned, and uh, and <laughs> we ended up, he ended up leaving. He ended up letting that go, and we ended up selling it. We had it in the front of the shop. Who bought that? Oh, just um, some collector. Yeah. Collector. Collector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait a second. Not I'm a bit worried about that guy. Yeah, yeah. We don't. Wow. What's wow. happened today? But yeah, we've had we've had um, uh, every single thing you could think of. Wow. Yeah, there's not too much that you you know you you, you don't get up. You don't you haven't seen. Mm. You know, so they've um, in that variety, yeah, everything from buses, trains, to the whole thing. Train, we, we got offered a train carriage one time. Wow, you know, just stuff like that, and you sort of you do have a laugh. We, have it, a, we still have a giggle. It's, yeah, it's the risk that sure I can pawn a train carriage. Yeah, but that's cute. But it's cute. If the, what are you going to do the, with it? If it hits the fan <laughs> and they don't pay me back. Yep. Well, I don't know many people who are in the market for a train carriage. <laughs> but that's why you don't lend on it. See, that's the problem. You right. say, okay, well, let me look into that. Yeah. Um, same with um, certain – if you take on certain caravans, you know, the like road trains and stuff like that, you need special licences. So all of a sudden you go, wait, well, my market just shrunk. So if I've got a car, anyone wants to buy a car, mm-hmm. if you've got it into sort of heavier items, then you've, you need people that are licensed for those items. So your market's – Shrinks, so you've got to be really careful. And, mm. and as I said, if you're trying to fix something, so if something goes wrong with a, a semi, it's massive money. So yeah. you've got to be really careful. Mm. And and for you in the in the ordinary flow of the business, like businesses have busy times, have quiet times. Yes. If you've got a really busy time, yep, you're not going to probably go there with. I'm not pointing a truck. I just we don't have the capacity. Or will you always take on most work? No, no, most most we do when we've yeah. got the room. Most of the time, if we get up, we do get full. Do you and have off-site storage? We do have off-site storage that you yeah. don't tell yeah. anyone about yes, where do. it is. Yeah, where yeah. is it? <laughs> you have to Subtle. follow. Me. You have to follow me home. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Most of ours, we've got a pretty big pawnbroker, so yep. we've got the biggest pawnbroker probably from you know from Sydney all the way up to Queensland. Wow. So um, that particular, because of the size of our shop, we can hold most motorbikes in the shop. Mm. Actually, most are held there, and then at the moment, look, I've, I've had up to twenty five. We've only got two at the moment, so it does you know ebb and flow. Yeah, it flows like you'll have no one in, and then you'll have multiples in. 
Yeah. Mm. And it usually happens when, when things happen, like, you know, you might have a GFC. Mm. Uh, see now with the coronavirus. Uh, our loans have plummeted. They've gone to, you know, they've, they've dropped about 80% because everyone's got JobKeeper, JobSeeker. They've all got money. They can't go anywhere. So they're flush. Yeah. They don't need to borrow money. Mm. So they're spending instead and then our sales double because of that. There's people coming in and going, oh, I've got money to spend. So everyone took up guitars. We All our guitars got sold, yep. stuff like that. <laughs> Bored inside. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, all that stuff. You know, I've got a you know, power tools or another one. Mm. So I'm at home. I'm going to mm. fix that door and do stuff like that. So. Well, we're going to have a quick break. Yep. I'm going to go and get some items that <laughs> I want you to uh, do a live Ready? pawning. Yeah, yeah, a live pawning. Um, I want you to you get negotiate the, or the other stuff yeah, that you um, you've brought in that we can actually have a bit of a chat about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we're going to answer listener questions. Yes. Yep. And we'll be right back after this Life Sherpa lesson. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. It's time. It's time to get down and dirty with the OG of financial advice in Australia. The vivacious, ever variable, never volatile, Don Vito of Life Sherpa, Vince Scully. It's here to soothe your financial aches and pains. What do you got for us today, Vince? 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 Vince. All right, Vince, what do you got for us today? Well, we've got a uh, question from Anonymous, who's a 19-year-old uni student who rents and earns $40,000. And she says that she's been, well, I assume it's she, she's been lurking for a while in the group and she sees everyone else's posts and thinks they're mainly about saving for a house as fast as possible and paying it off. And she questions, is buying a house really that important? And are there any special benefits to it? Well, generally, yes. I mean, we do know that buying a home is a, significant marker of success with money over a lifetime. And some of that is about accumulating wealth, but most importantly, it's about fixing your housing costs. So we all become adults short real estate and we need to buy it for the rest of our lives. And you've got a choice. You can buy it variable on the rental market or you can buy it fixed by buying a property. And over enough time, the fixed option will work out better. Now, that comes with a few caveats. Lots of expenses in getting in. Uh, You need to save a lot of money to get in. And you give up flexibility. Certainty always, almost always comes with the at the expense of So what you're saying is life's full of trade-offs. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, There is no absolute right answer to anything when it comes to money, apart from spending less than you earn. And everything else is a trade-off. So you're trading off, in this particular case, you're trading off certainty against flexibility. And for most people, that trade-off will result in a better lifetime answer. The big question that Anonymous needs to ask is, is now the right time? And at 19, I would suspect the answer to that question is, for the most part, no. 
unless the shoe fits. Absolutely. And I guess my question, Vince, is, well, let's just unpack this a little bit more. Peel the onion back. Mm-hmm. You're 19. I like onions. Lots yeah. of layers. <laughs> you're, you're 19. You're at university. Yep. Like your number one reason for living is to get educated That's at right. the moment, basically. And do drugs. Know, don't at me here. Well, <laughs> drugs are bad, okay. <laughs> don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. So the number one priority is to get educated. Yep. The number one, I guess the second priority would be let's maybe just save as much cash as we can to make sure we get through education. Yeah. Yeah. So at 19 at uni, there's a lot of life left to live and it's a great time to ease yourself into adulthood and, you know, post-graduation, are you going to take a gap year? Do you want to work overseas? Do you want to do more education? Um, are your circumstances going to change? So what you need right now may very well be different to what you need in three, four, five years if you get married or have kids. Or Now there's a but. But. But what if I can buy an investment property and not live in it? Ah, yeah. Now that's the big mistake that most people make, that buying a home is not an investment decision. Buying an investment property is an investment decision. Buying a home is a lifestyle and a risk management decision. Well, maybe in the wording um, it was, because I think the wording was around uh, anonymous wanted to buy a home I assume to live in. Maybe it's a terminology thing as well. Yeah, like, it could be. Yeah. Uh, but but you've got to, those two decisions are completely different decisions and the rationale for making them is completely different and never, ever confuse the two. Mm. Now, earning $40,000 at university, depending on where you are, you might not be eligible to service a, a loan anyway for a property. Yeah, that's going to be pretty hard. That would probably service maybe a $150,000, dollars loan at most. So I guess I'm kind of reading into this to say I love that Anonymous is thinking, you know, she's in the community and I think it is a girl. She just wrote, keep me anonymous. Uh, <laughs> she's in the M3 community. Well, she gave you a smiley face. At yeah, the end. and I would say the average age is 27. So we'd never want to compare ourselves to anyone else. So... There's other people in that group, Anonymous, who are in a different life situation. So as much as we don't want to compare ourselves to others, I'm always encouraged by others. Yes, I think there's a distinction between comparing yourself to others and creating aspiration and using it to teach yourself lessons about yourself. But using it as a, they've got that, why haven't I got that, is a dangerous road to go down and it will lead to dissatisfaction. Mm, because jealousy and all that stuff just rots you. Yep. Comparison is often the thief of joy. So finishing up this Life Sherpa lesson, we I think we'll assume that buying a property is probably off the table, assuming your current income and assuming that you might not have that much saved. Yeah, and even if she did have that much saved. There's so much uncertainty in her life over the next three, four, five years. You know, what you what we want to do when we go to uni is very rarely what we end up doing at the other side. Um, and your 20s, vitally important piece of life because, you know, what starts there sets the foundation for everything else. Question, 
Do you think there's anything wrong with just doing uni and being cash heavy? No, no. wholesale investing. And I mean by wholesale investing, it's like if you do have $300 left per month, we're not going to put all of the $300 in a, in a little micro investment account. You might just do $50. Just yeah. keep And, and to heavy. some extent, if you, if you do have surplus income when you're at uni, maybe you should actually look at earning less and focusing more on your studies or university life because it's the investment you make in those three or four years in yourself, which is, of course, it's about results, but it's also about what experiences you had while you were there and the people you meet, um, the network you build up. All of those things are far more valuable than an extra, you know, four, five, ten hours work that if 40 is actually giving her a surplus, I think she should be focusing on what's the value that that extra is giving me that I might be better off investing that time in all those other things. Because we do know the absolute best investment, particularly under 25, I believe is in yourself. Yep. So. Yeah. So you start, you, you start adult life with human capital and you've got to turn that human capital into financial capital over your working life to provide for an income when you're either unable or unwilling to work. And so the more human capital you start with, generally the greater opportunities you have. Mm. Well, there you have it. I don't know if we solved the world's problems with that life Sherpa lesson, but I think it it's just an encouraging chat to have for anyone who might be in university, take all the pressure off and just focus on university. That's not a bad thing. That's okay. Keep encouraged in the group. Keep learning. Keep listening. Uh, and yeah, invest in you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Vince. Thank you, Glenn. All right. Welcome back. So we're going to kick off with some listener questions. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Ah. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So the, one of the really good questions that somebody submitted was, why do most pawn shops only pay the price of the diamond or the gold on a piece of jewellery and not the jewellery piece as a whole? With jewellery, it comes into a lot of personal choice. And what people don't understand is there's an insurance value with, um, with, with gold and diamonds. So people go get it valued. So they say it's valued at $25,000. It's insurance valuation. You actually won't get that money for the actual diamond or the ring. Right. So if, for example, if I bought a ring and it was $25,000 and um, they value it at $25,000, the ring's only really worth about seven dollars to $8,000 because it's, it's, it's an insurance valuation. So if you have it in your house, the insurance will, like GIO or, or one of those, or sorry, um, you know, NRMA, will actually go, okay, you need to get it uh, valued separately. It's valued at twenty five thousand. It gets stolen out of your house, misplaced. You go down to NRMA and go, I just need my twenty five thousand dollars. They go, no, no, no. You have to go back to Ankus and Coot and Bolt or wherever, and we give you a substitute. So they don't give you the money. Right. Now the reason why they can charge you more money for your insurance. Mm. Okay, so realistically, it's never worth that. If you in a business, if I say to you, I can do. Um, my car in my car dealership say oh, I don't have a car dealership but just say you had a car dealership you say oh, I can do houses for half or you know, cars for half price you can't so when they do a half price sale in these places people actually think the value of that diamond and the gold is really what it's worth mm. but it's not now unless it's someone like Tiffany & Co uh, Hardy Brothers someone that's made it with great quality and they're well known mm. it is worth that so the valuation of that actually goes up holds a lot of 
holds a lot of money compared to other items. Places like all your sort of jewellery shops in all your centres, they have a, a custom model. So they'll have a, a, you know, there'll be 500 of that type of ring. So people actually look at it and go, oh, you know, my ring's worth. No, it's only worth the gold and the diamond and nothing else. Wow. Because it's like having a, you know, there's 5,000 of them. Yeah, there's so, so they're many just the same many of them. So no one really, and it's a catalogue ring. So, you know, you might go out and they're all the same. Mm. Then there's tricks in that as well. Okay. So a lot of jewellers, these are not independent jewellers, these are more your bigger jewellers, they'll break down a diamond. So it's a one carat diamond's worth, say a cheap one's worth 5,000. What they'll do is they'll split it up into quarters. Mm. They'll jam them together and they'll say one carat's on sale today. But what you see in the small print is it'll say TDW, which means total diamond weight. So what you're doing is you're going down believing you're buying a one carat diamond. You're not. You're buying four little 25 pointers stuck together. Okay. Wow. Now that's a very famous thing they do. And then they do things like illusion settings. So what you do is you put a 25-point diamond, a 20-point diamond, you cover it in white gold around it. It looks like a carat. It's not. It's only crappy you know, a little bit of gold on top, and you think you're buying a one carat, but really you're buying a 20-point diamond. Then they sell it to you as that, and then that's all when you come to a pawnbroker, you get the reality of it. So mm. what happens is people come down, they go, oh, my, my diamond's worth, my ring's worth. You say, look, I can't help you. You should go sell it yourself. They go, but I tried and no one bought it. I put it on Gumtree, mm. put it on eBay. I go, that's because it's not worth that. Mm. And, and, oh, I feel, are you ripping me off? No, you've been ripped off. Yeah. Wow. I haven't ripped you off. You've been ripped off. I'm just here to enlighten. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the reality of it. Yeah. So that's the problem. And the diamond gradings, like you've got your DEF and you go through like your, your, your highest colours all the way through to your worst colours. Mm. And you've got your clarities. You, so you've got your clarity cuts and colours. And people don't understand those. Mm. So if I put a ring out for sale, I, should, I don't know if I get in trouble for this, but if you, get, if you, if you go to Angus and Coot and those guys, they'll stick a ring out there, a catalogue ring. It might be a colour E. And you go in, you go, oh, I want to buy that. And they go, yep. And they go behind and they go, I've got this other... So it's the same ring, but they've made 5,000 of them. But if you drop two colours or three colours, thousands of dollars. Clarity, thousands of dollars. Mm. So they're very good at it. And what they are is they're just a good marketer. It's so the person switch. in there. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not so much. It's just that – and they use a – like if I go to do an independent jeweller will actually say, this is a colour E, it's a VVS, it's a um, uh, SI1, SI2. Like they, they'll give you clarity to the exact. This is this diamond's 1.02 carat where – other people, jewellers, you know, in the in the that sort of range will say it's approximately between this colour. It's approximately. There's no approximates. So that's how they trick you. Wow. Question: If there's a young lady or young man out there who's looking for a a diamond ring for their yes. spouse mm. to yes. be their yep. fiance to be, yes. yes. What yes. advice would you give to somebody just in terms of diamonds and rings? <laughs> like you see rings every day. Every day. Yeah, yeah. So so the problem is with the diamond and the. Uh, that you're after the best quality for the amount of money you want to spend. If you go to any, you've got to look at um, jewellers and centres. They're not really jewellers. They're just um, marketed um, enterprises that are just out there to try to get your money for the best value you can. They sell gold at about triple the rate. So it's easy to figure out. They won't let you weigh items in there because if you work, work out the gold rate, and anyone can do this. So if you work out the gold rate and you say today, oh, it's running out at, you know, 2,000 an ounce, and you break it down, and that's 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 you know twenty four carat runs out at full solid, and that's how you get your different numbers that you'll see pawnbrokers and all jewellers use. You'll see like three seven five, seven five oh, nine carat, eighteen carat, which basically means three seventy five is thirty seven point five percent gold, seven fifty, 
75% gold. That's how it works out with nine. Co- so when you buy gold, everyone gets this idea that they're buying pure gold. You're not. Mm. Your ring's only 37.5% gold. Wow. Okay. So, and the other one's 75, 75% gold. So it's not, not pure. So when people are trying to buy it, they've got to do their homework. And if they understand a diamond, they can understand what they're really paying. But they go into a certain centre, half price of a half price sale. Oh, it's got to be good value. It's valued at ten thousand dollars. I'm buying it for six thousand. And you hear the stories of people like stashing jewelry and mattresses because they think it's so valuable. Yeah, and one so day they'll yeah, catch yeah, it. Yeah, in then they and find out. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not really. I've heard the same thing too about. I don't know if this is true. Maybe you can kind of yeah. shed some light on this. That say you inherit like a diamond ring and it's got this big sort of collection of diamonds at the top. That yes. if you separate those diamonds and redesign it, that it's worth less. Like the that's value correct. Changes. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of them are clusters. Mm. So clusters are really big in the forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah. Uh, they stuck all the ring, all, all the diamonds. This is where we get back to even today. You'll see them out in the shopping centres now. They're a big cluster. They put TDW, two carats worth of diamonds. So today, two carat diamonds for sale. You know, five thousand. Really, it's worth about a thousand. What does what does your wife wear? Uh, my wife's got a. Um, she's got. I'm just trying to think of. Well, she's got a few. So her her main one. I was going to say her mate, her. She's, she's one of the only brides who's wearing a secondhand ring. Uh, no, she's got she's got a one point eight carat marquee. Yeah. Right, very nice. Yeah, so hers is a, she's got a very nice diamond. Yeah, so she's. I have no idea what that means. Uh, Mark, it's just a different shape. Right. So you get your princess cuts, you get your baguettes, you get your brilliant cuts, your cushion cuts. So there's a lot of different varieties of style of diamond, mm. and um, and then depends on what you like, you know. So a lot of people like a. Our cushion cuts in at the moment where it sort of sits and fluffs up. And yeah. People love that. And uh, and that changes. So back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was all 80s, it was all 25-point diamonds. Mm. As you head towards the 90s and 2000s, that's why you get young guys come in and they go, my, my girlfriend wants a one-carat, how much is that going to cost? You go, oh, lots. You yeah. know? So a cheap one for us, we'd sell for about two and a half and a dear one, you'll sell for 15. Mm. So it's a it's a big difference. In, big range. Yeah, massive range. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess while we're talking about rings, you've got a ring that you've brought in to show <laughs> us. What yeah. is it? This is a man's ring. Um, it's what they call a – it's a copy of a Rolex design and it's these are, are basically baguettes and – they are like of high quality. So you're looking at a, a roughly their D colour. We'll, we'll get a close-up for yeah, YouTube. Their D, their D and their VS. So the, the range in in your, your clarity changes when there's carbon marks in diamonds. So mm. the actual ring itself, what percentage of gold is this? That's 18 carats, so it's 75%, you know, mm-hmm. 75 up. Yeah. So what – The reason why they don't do them in pure gold, too soft. So what happens is it gets too soft and it bends, and so different different cultures, like especially like the Italians, mm. love their love their fourteen to eighteen. They won't go below that. Um, and then the Aussies have a lot of nine, because we're we're um, a bit more robust. We're, we're, we're rugged. You know, now, we're not around. and they, Asian culture is more twenty two. Wow. Yeah, is so there a really story right. behind this man's gold ring? Yeah. That that particular ring we've had for around twenty years. Yeah. The reason why is just. Um, my dad locked it, yeah, and um, and then my brother locked it, so he couldn't actually decide on who wanted it. And I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a ring guy, so I don't wear rings and stuff like that. And so. what would that be worth if you were to list it for sale? Oh, that'd go that that'd roughly go between fifteen and twenty thousand. Wow, there. Oh. it's a breakdown. There's a there's a nice seventy five pointer in the middle, and then it's surrounded by twenty five pointers. But the high that's a high high quality diamond it's ring. So shiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see the shine on it. Now, if when you see them when they're bad, you'll see the yellow in them. Mm. You'll see that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, the colouring's yeah. terrible. Oh, 
stuff like that. But you get better, you know, we get better diamonds than that and, and worse diamonds, so it's, yeah. Mm. So it's, and then the solids, your solid diamonds is where the money is. So, mm. you know, one carat up to five carat, you know, mm. we have five carat diamonds in. That probably tags mm. into someone's question here about what's the best thing to pawn, what's the worst thing to pawn. And who was yep. that? That other question, the best and worst thing. First question was from Stacey. Yep. So, yeah, this question is from Casey. Stacey and Casey. Yeah, what's the best thing to pawn? What's the worst thing to pawn? Uh, best thing to pawn is gold. The reason why it doesn't change too much. Uh, it does fluctuate, but it holds more value than anything else uh, because you can uh, – the market sort of stipulates. It doesn't drop too dramatically fast. So it's a and – it, and it holds its value – to, to lend against more than anything else, yeah. The worst, oh, I could, I could write a list. <laughs> I, I could write imagine. a list. Yeah, yeah, toasters, jugs and all that sort of stuff. No one but – people look come in with a lot of things, say, off the side of the road and it's really quite funny. <laughs> uh, and they go, oh, I'll just, I've had this for a long time. Is it worth anything? You go, oh, you've just got that, that up the road there off the side council of the road. Yeah, mate. cancel, cancel, pick up. <laughs> so uh, yeah. You mentioned so, yeah. gold. Yeah. Uh, you've also got a – Yeah, you've got a gold nugget. So – Talk to us about this gold nugget. So gold nuggets are um, uh, a lot of prospectors we get come in and they want to know if it's gold. Now, back in the old days, I'd have to cut it. So I'd have to cut it open. Um, I'd have to use acid and acid it. So because people use, of course, fake gold mm. and they also try to get you with a whole bunch of other stuff. So they try to what they call a created nugget. So they have a like a cast. They put a whole bunch of copper inside. Then they fill it, put gold all the way around it, and then you're buying it at a heavier weight. And in the centre is actually all copper and crap, so you've got to be really careful. Mm. So back, you know, before you when you get caught when you get caught a couple of times, all pawnbrokers do, you start you, you start to learn don't do that again. So mm. what we do is we um, back then we used to cut it, acid it. So then you have different acid for nine carat, eighteen carat. So if it bubbled and went green, you knew it wasn't gold. And then a lot of times it'd be disappointing for people. Now we X-ray them. I've got an X-ray machine. Wow. So the new the new way of doing it is you got a you got a high end X-ray machine. It goes in there, gives you a really good idea of whether it – well, actually, it's pure, so it can actually give you 100% accuracy, but it can't tell you the absolute depth. So a lot of times we'll, get, we'll negotiate a price, and if we say we agree on it, then I'll cut it open just to make sure there's no copper coins falling. Yeah. <laughs> Bits of steel and stuff like that. Oh, uh, dodgy, so, dodgy. Yeah, dodgy, so dodgy. where did you get this one? Uh, that was a customer. He's a prospector. He came in and he got it made up, and he put a little attachment on there. So, so like you wear pendant. it like a pendant. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, everyone. Bling bling. So basically, that's solid gold. Yes, yeah, that is. That's twenty. I think it came back at twenty three point two percent. Yeah, right. so it, or twenty three point two. Sorry, carrot. And if yeah. you weigh that, yeah, it's basically worth the spot yes. price. Yes, that's right. Yes, it is. It is, but I have to pay less, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because so you've got to make, make money. money on it. Yeah. yeah so I mean, you if you were that. to sell this in your shop yep. this afternoon. I'd have to weigh it again. I don't know the yeah. weight of it, but um, uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be the weight. Uh, it'd be basically oh, seventy six dollars a gram. So how many right. grams are in there? So at, at today's price, yeah, yeah. roughly, roughly. So there could there. be thirty grams there. Uh, it'd be less than that, I'd say. Yeah. Hey, Nate, do you want to go and just throw this on the digital scales? Yeah, you you'd have to weigh that one up. We'll ask another question, mm. and Nate will just. Leave the cameras on open. What other uh, questions have we got? Yeah. One last question. Yeah. Sammy asks, what items do people commonly sell in a crisis? Okay, that's a good one. You've got to think of it this way. If you're going to go into a pawnbroker and you wanted to get rid of something, you start at the bottom. So they go, oh, I'm going to take my – but usually the pawnbroker knows that, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get anything. 
So then they have to bring in their better stuff. Mm. So in a crisis, gold and diamonds. Okay. Same problem. Watches, mm. high end, nothing low end. Mm. Anything to do with sort of um, that can retain value, something very uh, popular like is uh, anything high end. So basically in guitars, Fender, Gibson, those sort brands, of things. Yeah, yeah, brands, all the brands, Tiffany & Co, jewellery, Rolex, Amiga. What about Andrews. like handbags and shoes? Too many copies, hard. Yeah. Yeah, get them all the time. Imitation Yeah, brands. lots of them. Yeah. And even the even the certificates are copied. Uh, it's really hard. So you they're just don't go there? I do now and then, especially yeah. if I do, if you pick the person, uh, you know what they're like. Yeah. Um, and they've got the original receipts. I've had ones from Sydney Airport, for example. Yeah. That, you know, they've bought it and there yeah. it is and there's the item with the serial number on it. So you can go, yes, I definitely can. That Louis Vuitton, yeah. that is definitely um, a Louis Vuitton. Uh, but other times the copies are that good. Same with watches. Mm. And there's copies in, in everything, you know, so it's a it's a hard one, even in gold. Mm. Yeah. So that's the problem, you know. So, um, yeah, so my, my, my most popular items are any, anything high-end for, for a high price. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of watches, you've got a watch there. Yeah, well. so what's this other watch that oh, you've oh, this brought is just in? An old, this is an old tag. Oh, sorry, an old Amiga. So this is an old Seamaster automatic. Yeah. Now, they got to a point where people didn't really want them. They got to a low point. And then your generation's now bought it back. Yeah. Because they all love the retro. Love watches. So, yeah, boy. So that's a – there you go. Get in there, Glenn. There, there you go. So it's – okay. So this is a um, – That one's actually damaged, believe it or not. It's yeah, an automatic. Yeah. Cosmic one. Yeah. And what would this be worth oh, look, if you if were going it to list so it for sale? Was, I used to spend so much so – most of my time when I was younger, we used to go to Sydney auctions. So my brother and I would spend all our times at combined auctions in Sydney at, uh, at a place called Ultimo. Yep. And um, – you know, it's DeVille's and Seamasters and all that would go for, you know, because they weren't popular. Omega was always popular, but um, certain models were terrible. Mm. So they'd go for, you know, $200, $300, and now to get them fixed is around five to 600 to get basic ones fixed. So, uh, and that's only because you know the person. Um, but realistically, that would go for anywhere between 1500 and two and a half grand yeah, in there, okay. roughly in there. Yeah. You know, it depends on condition. Yeah. And it depends on genuine bands and stuff like that. There's a lot to them. And yeah. that... Uh, 13 grams. 13 grams. Yeah, so 13 grams. There you go. So 13, how much Oh, I just gram? times it by basically 76, roughly there, or 80. So roughly. basically $1,000, yeah. $980. Yep, yep. Of gold in that. Yeah. Yeah, gold. awesome. But because he's custom made the little design and then you're trying to make money, so it'll be like a roughly around that, probably 1500 1600 yep. in there. Yeah. Yep. yep. Amazing. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, any last question? Oh, a little Diane. Oh, sorry. oh yeah, no. Yeah, if yeah you what have you got here? So you got a you got a, a nineteen eighty one Diana Prince Charles uh, two hundred dollar coin. A two hundred dollar face yeah. value. Yeah. Now I. You got I, some coins, don't you? Glenn? Yeah, and we'll talk about that. You want the nineteen thirty? Yeah, that's what you're after. Well, I asked. <laughs> I asked Tyson, <laughs> how much would you sell that for? Uh, oh, well, like it's, it's not for sale. It's not for sale, but really, it's still for between eight hundred and eight hundred dollars and a thousand dollars, roughly wow. in there. You know, so a lot of times you get a coin, for example, that's got a face fee of 200, 500, yeah. but the actual gold content in it is, of course, way worth money. You can go up the road now and buy some milk and bread with that yes. one. But um, <laughs> you actually can. It's legal tender. It's legal <laughs> yeah. tender. It's so yeah. bad. But you could. Yeah, yeah, you go. Um, so that's got face value of $200. Yes. I can go to JB Hi-Fi today yes. and yep. say, I want the Apple TV. It's $200. They have to accept this coin. Yes. Yeah. They, wow. Yeah. They'd be crazy if they didn't. But, yeah, they, it's Australian tender. Yeah. So basically legal tender. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. But, you, you know, yeah, if you did that, you'd be upset. 
Well, if you ever sell that, <laughs> if you ever sell that, let me know. Yeah, yeah it's okay. This book, they, they, they make lots of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got Kowal, you got Australia's got a lot of um, well, traditional I, ones. I've got one. Oh, here we go. Pulls <laughs> <laughs> um, it out. So this is a coin. Yep. It's a two a sixtieth anniversary of uh, the Queen's coronation. Yep. So that's yeah. So it's in it's in Troy ounce. Don't know what they've done that for, but usually that's another story altogether. Yeah. But the world does it in Troy ounces. Australia usually got their own ounce, so Troy ounces usually run out. They're a worldwide ounce. Um, what percentage you got there? They reckon they said something about. Ninety-nine point nine nine. No, no, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It yeah, is. it's a quarter ounce. Quarter ounce. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a that's a a really good coin. KK passed it. Yeah. But it's only worth gold weight. Exactly. Mm. That's all it's worth. Yeah. Nothing more. So the gold weight. So how much were you saying? So an ounce. Um, I've got a calculator here. Yeah. So quarter ounce. So you got thirty-three. 33 grams of the troy ounce, and it's usually 28 grams to our ounce. Oh, I might be a bit off there. <laughs> um, Hang on. And One, then, and then um, you've got, so you've got, it's seven grams. Yeah, seven grams. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, same thing. Seven times 76 in today's, today's girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, 530 bucks. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. It's not great. nothing. Yeah. And I think I paid 800 ish. Yep. But again, I only did that because I wanted it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But it will uh, – <laughs> 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 yes, look, Perth mints uh, – Australia, Australia's mints really good, um, but you also pay the taxes on it. Yes. Okay. Yep. So even though people get caught up with that, they actually – the taxes that you pay in Australia, of course, from the mint, mm. you pay all the outgoings. Yeah. So um, when you go to sell it, if you melt it, you lose – like they lose anywhere between 5 and 10% when they, they melt yeah. Gold. So that's where the prices change. People go, oh, this is worth today's mm. gold commodity. Uh, it's worth, you know, uh, $70, you know, $80 a, a gram. And you go, but the time you melt it, the time you pay a GST, the time you pay a tax, it, 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 you'll lose 20, 20, 30 in there somewhere. Mm. You know, that's why gold dealers, you'll see them, they, they have to counter all, they have to take all that into account for that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. But we, with coins, it's how many are minted. If there's yeah, I mean, fifty thousand minted, yeah. they're not real. Well, <laughs> yeah. this is a uh, this is a uh, obviously a numbered. I think they only did a thousand. Yeah, a thousand. And this yeah, is yeah. number five hundred and one. Yeah, okay. so it'll take uh, a bit of time. Yes, so, you know what I mean. Like, yep. Yeah, and so if you hold on to it for another sort of eighty away. years, you'll be right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, but again, I, I really only bought it just because I wanted to. Yes, mm. and it has yeah. something. Interesting, but if, if you had to get rid of it, like that's that's the that's what we we're talking about earlier. If you have to get rid of it, then it, it's it's you got you know four or five hundred bucks there to go boom. Yeah, you know. Now another piece of um, old crap and talking <laughs> about. Oh, I love old crap. So I I wanted to pawn this or see what it, you think it could be worth. Yeah. It was. It's an old Invicta razor. Oh yeah, and my great. It was. It belonged to my great grandfather. Yep. Cool. So before Whoa. they had the yep. safety blade, don't yield yep. it, Glenn. Yep. <laughs> had the cutthroat. Wow. Okay, the good old the old, the old version cutthroats. They're not real for us. They're, they're well, hygiene's a big thing. Yes. Um, it's so COVID safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't believe it. They're, they're not worth as much as you think. No. The reason why they made lots of them. Yes. Mm. So everyone had one. Mm. Uh, they made thousands of them. 
Um, in, in in England, they they were very common. You know. Yeah. Well, this was the whole um, from Sheffield, England. Yeah, Sheffield, England. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of they were very common. Everyone used one. So it's yeah. like we have our razors today. Gillette. Safety. That's theirs. Yeah. Wow. So I've probably had you know I've been offered lots. I yeah. reject a lot because yeah. they're you just there's only so many you can have yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's 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 not worth. As much as you think it No, could. I mean, it's it's yeah. probably... But it's more I, sentimental. And that's sentimental. it. It's like I don't care if it actually if I could not yes. sell it for $1. That's right. But it's like, oh, my great-grandfather used this. Yeah, yeah. And he gave it to Pop and Fancy. then Pop it. gave it to Dad. So when people come in and they want a pawn, you do take that in, into account, mm. that it's sentimental value. Mm. So just say something. Sometimes I've lent people, to say it was worth 50, I've lent them 100. Yeah. But so I know that that's your great-grandfather's. I know that I might know you a bit. So I think, okay, I'll take that risk. You're pretty silly if you leave that with me. So I'll give you a, t- a typical example is war medals. Yeah. So people, a lot of, lot of, lot of you know, grandkids get war medals handed down and you know the sentimental value to it. So then you sort of go, okay, that war medals might be worth two, three, four hundred dollars $400. They go, I really need 500 And then you might lend them more because you know that it's got their name, like their grandfather's yeah, name really. written on it. Yeah. yeah. So you know, okay, I can lend you a bit more. It's not someone that you don't know. Yes. Mm. So yes, mate, that's a beautiful piece, actually. Mm. Yeah, I do like that. Very cool. But if you didn't have any in the shop, what would you um? Would you <laughs> buy it like fifty dollars? <laughs> no, no, I'd, 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 I'd pay around fifty. Yeah. But I'd ha- I wouldn't sell it. Yeah, sure. What I'd do is I'd sit it in the actual um, I'd sit it in my shop. Yeah. As a as a piece, I've got a couple in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you come down, you usually I've got a couple in the in the front. Um, yeah. In the front window. And it just and it's not for sale, more the fact that people just think, oh well, that's pretty cool. They come into your shop and have a look around. Yeah. You know, and that's what you want to do. You sort of you're trying to get people to come around and have a look. So yeah. Well, Tice, thank you so much for coming in and <laughs> opening the hood on the porn industry. <laughs> so interesting. That's all right. And, um, yeah. If you are interested, guys, we'll put the Tyson's website in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, if you're ever on the New South Wales Central Coast, drop into Long Jetty Pawnbrokers. There are uh, an establishment on the coast. Yes, family-run business has been here for a long time. So very cool. Thanks so much. That's all. I right. appreciate that. Good and to we'll talk to you guys, and you uh, thanks for your time. No worries. Okay. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, Canstar, and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.